0: Equal Housing Lender. Member FDIC. Copyright 2024. U.S. Bank.
1: Good morning. Green light. U.S. officials now saying Vladimir Putin has already given the order for Russian troops to invade Ukraine. New intelligence tracking their movements and revealing a plot to arrest and kill Ukrainian citizens. But diplomacy still on the table. Overnight, President Biden agreeing to a summit with Putin if the Russian leader holds off on an invasion. So where does it all go from here? We're live in Ukraine and at the White House, and the National Security Advisor joins us live. Round two, powerful new storms set to race across the country. In the north, a nearly 2,000-mile path of snow and ice. In the south, severe weather, flooding, and possible tornadoes. Al is tracking it all concern for the queen well wishes pouring in after the 95 year old tests positive for the coronavirus the palace saying she is experiencing mild symptoms and plans to carry on some of her royal duties a live report from london just ahead basket brawl chaos at the end of the michigan wisconsin game after the wolverines head coach throws a punch sparking a bench-clearing fight. This morning, what led up to that ugly scene on the court and the punishment for Howard and others sure to come? All that plus, that's a wrap. The Winter Games come to a close after an Olympics like no other, marked by golden moments and controversy. And Shining Bright, the NBA All-Star Game dominated by a record-setting performance from Steph Curry. And a dramatic game winner from LeBron James in his return to Cleveland. Cleveland!
2: It's a
3: it's a win! Win!
1: Today, Monday, February 21st,
4: 2022.
0: From NBC News. This is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Kotb, live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza.
1: Good morning and welcome to Today. Thank you for joining us on this Monday morning, President's Day. I'm Chanel Jones alongside Tom Yamas. Good morning to you. Good morning to you. Savannah and Hoda have a well-deserved day off today.
5: A lot of action on the court. yeah. We're going to have to catch up on that. This week is starting off, though, the, the last one ended. More winter weather concerns. Two systems set to make their way across the country, bringing heavy snow, damaging winds, and possible tornadoes. Al's got your full forecast coming
1: up. All right, but first, those fast-moving developments in the Ukraine crisis. Overnight, President Biden and Russian President Vladimir Putin agreeing in principle to meet to discuss the situation. One major caveat from the White House that Russia does not invade.
5: Meantime, NBC News has learned the U.S is now warning the United Nations that Moscow is compiling a list of Ukrainians to be, quote, killed or sent to camps following a military occupation. All of it coming as shelling in eastern Ukraine intensified over the weekend, stoking new fears that an attack is imminent.
1: We are covering it all this morning from the White House to Ukraine. And in a moment, we'll talk to President Biden's national security advisor. But first, NBC's chief foreign correspondent Richard Engel joins us from Ukraine with the very latest. Richard, good morning.
6: Good morning, Chanel. Every day in Ukraine, it seems like we are now taking two steps closer to war and then take one step backwards with apparently diplomacy back in the cards. But U.S. officials are warning that Russia could still soon invade with the help of Russian-backed separatists who are just about a mile from here, and that also Russia is planning a campaign of repression after it invades, including drawing up lists of Ukrainian activists who potentially could organize a resistance movement or an underground, and that Russia would use these lists to track down the activists and arrest them or kill them. Russia this morning denied that any such lists exist, calling it a total lie. But what is not in dispute is that frontline positions like this one are heating up. These may be the opening shots of a war that could tear up the map of Europe. Russian-backed separatists, fighting in a largely ignored conflict for eight years against the Ukrainian government, have dramatically stepped up artillery and mortar attacks, firing on houses, seemingly at random, in government-held areas. Villagers tell us Ukrainian forces are firing back. Uh, no, principle... Roman Yanuvich, a security guard at a fish cannery, says he just left his house when an artillery round exploded. It came, he says, from the separatist areas. But over the fields in separatist territory, the mirror is twisted. The separatists say they are facing an unprovoked and merciless assault by the Ukrainian army and gangs of saboteurs. Ukraine denies it's launched an offensive and accuses the separatists of manufacturing a crisis to give Russia an excuse to invade. The separatists, around two million, have ordered a mass evacuation for Russia. But some residents of the separatist areas told reporters they didn't know why they'd been brought to Russia, complaining they'd been dumped there without food or a place to stay. Russian media accused the Ukrainian government of carrying out a genocide against Russian speakers in Ukraine. And in yet another show of force, President Vladimir Putin this weekend personally oversaw readiness tests of his country's vast nuclear arsenal. U.S. officials say President Biden said he expects Russia will invade within days, because U.S. intelligence indicates President Putin has given his commanders the go-ahead. On the front lines, Ukrainian Lieutenant Colonel Andrei Baklan pointed out separatist positions. Baklan fought for the Soviet Union as a young soldier and hated it. He doesn't want to live under what he calls Putin's dictatorship. We don't know what's coming. How do you think this ends? Good always triumphs over evil, he says. But if this starts, many people will die on both sides and many civilians. But as Churchill showed, in the end, there will be victory. For now, it seems the Ukrainian forces and the Russian-backed separatists are testing each other, firing artillery, responding with artillery, firing mortars, but without advancing and taking territory. But an escalation here. Chanel could quickly spread.
1: It's a scary situation. Richard, thank you.
5: All right, let's bring in NBC's chief White House correspondent, Kristen Welker. Kristen, what's the latest on that possible summit between President Biden and Putin and the prospects of it actually happening?
7: Good morning, Tom. Well, that's the exact right question because with the situation intensifying on the ground in Ukraine, as Richard just showed us, the White House is really aiming at this point to downplay the chances of a meeting between President Biden and President Putin. And overnight, three top officials telling NBC News that while the president has agreed in principle to a summit with Putin, no details have been agreed to with the Russians, and they stress that, of course, any meeting is going to be dependent on whether Russia invades. Now, you may remember that Secretary of State, TONY BLINKEN IS SET TO MEET WITH HIS RUSSIAN COUNTERPART ON THURSDAY. THAT MEETING WILL ALSO BE SCRAPPED IF PUTIN MOVES IN. BOTTOM LINE HERE, THE U.S. HAS BEEN PUBLICLY WARNING FOR DAYS THAT PUTIN COULD INVADE AT ANY MOMENT, AND THAT ASSESSMENT JUST HAS NOT CHANGED, TOM.
5: AND KRISTEN, I KNOW YOU HAVE SOME NEW REPORTING ON THESE EXPLOSIVE NEW ALLEGATIONS. WE MENTIONED AT THE TOP OF THE BROADCAST THAT RUSSIA HAS COMPILED a LIST OF UKRAINIANS TO BE KILLED OR KIDNAPPED IF THEY INVADE. WHAT MORE CAN YOU TELL US?
7: Yeah, here's a bit more about that letter to the UN obtained by NBC News. And the details are really stunning. It says that after an invasion, Russian acts in Ukraine could include, quote, targeted killings, kidnappings, forced disappearances, and even the use of torture. Now, those who would likely be targeted would include dissidents, journalists, religious and ethnic minorities, and people in the LGBTQI community. When asked about this list Monday, Richard said this as well, a Kremlin spokesperson called the allegations an absolute fake and a lie. But big picture here, all of this just adds to the pressure on President Biden to find a diplomatic resolution as the window for talking seems to be
1: closing quickly, Tom.
5: Yeah, it seems it's getting more and more intense. Kristen, we thank you for that.
1: JOINING US NOW IS THE NATIONAL SECURITY ADVISOR TO PRESIDENT BIDEN, JAKE SULLIVAN. MR. SULLIVAN, GOOD MORNING. THANK YOU FOR TALKING WITH US THIS MORNING.
8: THANKS FOR HAVING ME.
1: Uh, LET'S GET RIGHT TO IT HERE. HERE WE ARE, AS MANY AS 190,000 RUSSIAN TROOPS HAVE MOVED IN AROUND UKRAINE'S BORDERS. COULD THIS SUMMIT SERIOUSLY FORCE PRESIDENT PUTIN TO BACK DOWN OR ARE WE JUST DELAYING THE inevitable?
8: Well from the very beginning of this crisis we've been clear that we're prepared either way. Well, we're prepared to respond decisively if Russia moves on Ukraine and we're prepared for diplomacy to settle this peacefully including at the highest level. So when President Macron asked President Biden yesterday if he was prepared in principle to meet With President Putin, if Russia did not invade? Of course, uh, President Biden said yes. But every indication we see on the ground right now, in terms of the disposition of Russian forces, is that they are, in fact, getting prepared for a major attack on Ukraine. So we will not close the door on diplomacy. We will go the extra mile on diplomacy, but we are also prepared with our allies and partners to respond decisively if Russia attacks.
5: Jake, over the weekend, Ukraine's president called out the U.S. and really the world for not announcing sanctions, right, not going public with the sanctions, saying that by the time they invade, it's going to be too late. His quote was, we don't need your sanctions after the bombardment. What do you say to that?
8: Well, the key thing that he wants to make sure from what we hear from him publicly is that Russia understands exactly what the scope and nature of the sanctions they will face are as a deterrent measure. And we have been clear with the Russians. We have laid out in detail for the Russians. The types of measures we will impose that will have an immediate impact on their economy and then a long term impact on their capacity to marshal national strength. Russia understands that. The world understands that. And we're prepared to move forward if Russia attacks.
1: And, Jake, I know you just heard in the reporting the U.S. has accused Russia of having this list of Ukrainians uh, they plan to kill or kidnap. Just how violent would this invasion or could it get?
8: Well, we believe that. Any military operation of the size, scope, and magnitude of what we believe the Russians are planning will be extremely violent. It will cost the lives of Ukrainians and Russians, civilians and military personnel alike. But we also have intelligence to suggest that there will be an even greater form of brutality because this will not simply be some conventional war between two armies. It will be a war waged by Russia on the Ukrainian people to repress them, to crush them, to harm them. AND THAT IS WHAT WE LAID OUT IN DETAIL FOR THE U.N. BECAUSE WE BELIEVE THAT THE WORLD MUST MOBILIZE uh, TO COUNTER THIS KIND OF RUSSIAN AGGRESSION SHOULD THOSE TANKS ROLL ACROSS THE BORDER uh, AS WE ANTICIPATE THEY VERY WELL MAY DO IN THE COMING HOURS OR DAYS.
5: JAKE, WE ARE CONVINCED THAT RUSSIA WILL INVADE UKRAINE. WHAT LEADS YOU TO BELIEVE THAT THEY'RE GOING TO STOP AT UKRAINE?
8: Well, the most important thing that the president has done uh, with respect to deterrence has been to send thousands of American service members to Poland and Romania and to work with other allies to send forces to NATO allies along NATO's east, uh, the areas that border Ukraine or border Russia. So he has been absolutely clear, the president, that we will defend every inch of NATO territory because we have an Article 5 commitment to do so, and that is a sacred obligation. And if Russia chooses to move against any NATO country, come further west into NATO territory, they will be met with the full force of American and allied might.
1: Tense situation here. White House National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan, thank you for your time this morning.
5: Alright, we want to switch gears now. A lot going on with weather. Mm-hmm. Al's got his eye on a threat of new storms that yeah, we're following. guys,
4: we're looking, everybody coast to coast is going to be dealing with this. 23 million people from the West Coast all the way to the Upper Great Lakes, looking at winter weather advisories, watches, or warnings. You can see we've already got some snow firing up from Bismarck all the way to Minneapolis. We've also got a risk of, for 9 million people from Dallas, Tulsa, Springfield, Little Rock, and Memphis, for damaging wind, hail possible, and tornadoes. That moves to the east, to Tomorrow afternoon with tornadoes possible from Jackson all the way up to Nashville. We're going to be watching this system pushing out. Strong winds, heavy snow for the Rockies and the Plains. A flood threat will increase for the Ohio and Tennessee River valleys. Continuing east, snow in the upper Midwest tomorrow. Significant flooding possible into northern Kentucky. That system moves up. Another system developing, bringing all more problems, more icy conditions from Lexington down to Memphis and Dallas. Rainfall amounts locally four to five inches of rain in the mid plains and we're looking at heavy snow from the Rockies, 16 inches there upwards of 16 inches in the upper sections of the Midwest and then Thursday an icy mix from Oklahoma to Ohio and this makes its way Friday into the northeast we're going to watch this track but that will determine how much snow or icy mix we get along the coast guys. All right, thank you,
1: Al. Now to the pandemic, as COVID cases decline, more cities and states are rolling back restrictions, but Dr. Anthony Fauci is warning against prematurely ending some of those safety measures. NBC national correspondent Gabe Gutierrez joins us with more on that. Gabe, good morning.
0: Chanel, good morning. The CDC could update its indoor mask guidance as early as this week, but with many state and local governments already getting ahead of that, there is mixed reaction on how to approach this new phase of COVID. With the Omicron surge fading and COVID hospitalizations plummeting, more states, cities, and businesses are easing pandemic restrictions. But Dr. Anthony Fauci warning it may be too much too soon. We better be careful because it is a bit risky to doing something prematurely. Soon, every state except Hawaii will drop their indoor mask mandates. New York State says it won't enforce a booster mandate for health care workers because of staffing shortages. While both the governors of California and Utah say they're shifting to an endemic approach to coronavirus, Colorado's governor says the focus should be on vaccinations, not mandates.
5: There's a lot of Americans, of all persuasions, that react very negatively, rightfully so, to being told or forced to do something.
0: Major companies like Carnival Cruise Line are relaxing restrictions too, making masks optional for all passengers starting March 1st. Meanwhile, the U.S. Surgeon General has announced that he and his family tested positive for COVID, including his four-year-old daughter, who's not yet eligible to be vaccinated. Dr. Murthy tweeting in part, Our safety measures reduce risk, but they can't eliminate risk. Nothing can. So what precautions should parents with small children take?
9: make sure that as many people around them are vaccinated and even though there are not great masks that fit young children trying to have them with any mask even if it's a fabric or cloth mask something is better than nothing
0: california becoming the first state to formally change to an endemic phase of the pandemic as we mentioned they're stockpiling masks and establishing better infrastructure for vaccinations other states could soon follow suit. Slowly
1: but surely, we're getting there. All right, thank you, Gabe.
4: Well, let's just see what we've got. <laughs> Bitter cold making its way through the plains today. Windy conditions through Southern California. These severe storms start firing up down through the south. We're going to be watching that. Sunshine through the upper Great Lakes, but snow will be moving in and then turning milder here in the east from New England all the way down to Florida. And that's your latest weather. Guys. All
1: right, Al, thank you. Coming up, the world sending get well wishes to the Queen. After it was announced the 95-year-old Royal has now tested positive for COVID. We'll have the latest on how she's feeling in a live report from Buckingham Palace.
5: Plus, did you see this? A bench-clearing brawl sparked by Michigan's head coach, Jawan Howard, taking a swing at an opposing coach. This morning, the calls for Howard to now be suspended or even fired, and how he's responding. But first, this is today on NBC.
0: Mm.
2: Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter
6: blade? Boulder dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies' splendor. For
2: each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's Huzzah! A toast to
10: breakfast. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. At at 7.30 on this
1: holiday Monday morning, President's Day 2022, a big holiday crowd. Yes, it's out chilly the and they are out morning. there. They Respect. are. And they were out here early this morning, so we're going to head out and say hi to them coming up in just a bit. That's All what
5: right. I'd be doing if I wasn't uh, inside.
11: With
1: right you outside? Hanging out Absolutely. there? With your sign. Uh-huh. Yeah.
5: Super fan. All right. <laughs> Let's get right up to a check of your 7.30 headlines. An elderly couple found dead in their South Florida home has been identified as the sister of disgraced financier Bernie Madoff and her husband. Officials say 87-year-old Sandra Weiner and her 90-year-old husband Marvin were found unresponsive with gunshot wounds on Thursday in Boynton Beach. Police say it appears to be a murder-suicide. Bernie Madoff, of course, was known for orchestrating one of the largest Ponzi schemes in Wall Street history. He died last year at the age of 82 while serving a 150-year prison sentence.
1: To the Daytona 500 now, rookie Austin Sendrick taking the checkered flag in a nail-biting finish. The 23-year-old Sendrick holding off Bubba Wallace for the win. The victory coming, by the way, on the 85th birthday of team owner Roger Penske. Not a bad birthday present. For the racing legend.
11: Happy birthday, Mr. Penske. Mm-hmm. And now to NBA superstar Steph Curry. He made a record 16 three pointers mm. to help lead Team LeBron to victory in the NBA All Star game last night. Curry delivering what has to be the greatest long distance shooting performance in All Star game history. He finished with 55 50 0 points and was named the game's MVP, but it was LeBron James stealing the spotlight at the end with this game winning shot. Oh, Team LeBron beats Team Durant, 163 to 160. It's like
1: something out of a movie, isn't so,
11: Yeah, similar saying it was the like best All-Star game ever. I love wow. the All-Star so game. Cool. Yep.
1: All right, well, also this morning, well wishes are pouring in for the Queen after it was announced the 95-year-old monarch has tested positive for the coronavirus.
5: NBC's Kelly Kobiea joins us from Buckingham Palace with the very latest this morning. Kelly, good morning.
9: Guys, good morning to you. Yeah, Buckingham Palace says the Queen was well enough to work through the weekend, sending a message of congratulations to the British women's curling team for winning Olympic gold. The Palace very much trying to reassure a worried public that the Queen is okay.
0: great deal of material to choose.
9: Concerns for the Queen this morning after a positive COVID test on Sunday. Buckingham Palace confirming Queen Elizabeth has mild, cold-like symptoms. But adding the 95-year-old monarch will carry on with light duties at Windsor. Morning. Just days ago.
2: Well, as you can see, I can't move.
9: Queen Elizabeth in good spirits, joking about using a cane. The palace says she wasn't injured, just stiff. But after her son, heir to the throne, Prince Charles tested positive for COVID February 10th, and then his wife Camilla four days later on the 14th, there were fears the queen would be next. Prince Charles had only mild symptoms and was out of isolation last week, handing out awards in London. The 73-year-old now fully vaccinated and boosted, unlike the first time he caught COVID two years ago. Even then, he recovered quickly.
12: Luckily,
3: with relatively mild symptoms,
9: Palace staff have gone to great lengths to shield the Queen from the virus. She and late husband Prince Philip spending much of the pandemic with a small staff behind Windsor Castle walls, the Queen learning to meet and greet on video calls, cancelling Christmases with family, sitting alone at her husband's funeral. By last fall, she was out in public again with a hectic schedule until a surprise one night hospital stay in October slowed her down. She oh, it is beautifully.
7: beautifully.
9: This year, Queen Elizabeth so is determined people. to celebrate her record 70 years on the throne. Very well preserved, isn't it? She turns 96 in April, and while she's reportedly fully vaccinated and famously tough, royal doctors will be keeping a close eye.
11: Often, even people who develop uh, severe symptoms eventually start off mild, so I think any person of that age will need to be monitored fairly carefully. And also I think given uh, antivirals.
9: Buckingham Palace not commenting on the Queen's treatment, only saying she will continue to receive medical attention while she works from home. And uh, the palace also says that she'll be following government COVID guidelines. That means she has to self-isolate at Windsor Castle. Tom, her next public engagement isn't scheduled until
1: next week. Mm.
5: All right, we hope she's feeling okay. Kelly, thank you for that.
1: For more on the Queen's health, we want to bring in NBC News royal commentator and journalist Daisy McAndrew. She's also at Buckingham Palace for us. Daisy, good morning to you. Good morning. Well, you just heard in Kelly's report the Queen has said she will fulfill light duties. What exactly does that entail?
2: Well, she will definitely still continue to get her red boxes. Those, are, I'm sure you've seen the pictures, the red leather briefcases that takes from normally um, the House of Commons to wherever she's staying, full of government documents that she has to look over, some of which she might have to give royal assent to new legislation. So she'll continue to work from home. We've all got used to it, haven't we? And the Queen is no exception and do light duties, as they've said. But, of course, no face-to-face meetings. She'll continue with Zoom. SHE'LL HAVE HER REGULAR uh, uh, AUDIENCE WITH THE PRIME MINISTER BORIS JOHNSON ON WEDNESDAY, BUT AGAIN, NOT FACE-TO-FACE, THAT WILL BE ON ZOOM OR SKYPE OR SOMETHING SIMILAR AS WELL.
5: DAISY, I KNOW THE QUEEN HAS OVERCOME AND SEEN A LOT THROUGHOUT HER LIFE AND HER CAREER, REALLY, HER REIGN, BUT THIS YEAR HAS BEEN SO TOUGH, RIGHT? SHE LOST HER HUSBAND, SHE'S HAD ISSUES WITH PRINCE HARRY, BIGGER ISSUES WITH PRINCE ANDREW, AND NOW COVID. ARE PEOPLE WORRIED ABOUT HER?
2: Yes, inevitably, you'd be worried with anybody who's pushing 96 years old who was dealing with that level of strain, let alone your head of state who has now tested positive for coronavirus. She does have excellent medical staff around her. She has the royal doctor. She has uh, her her private family doctor at Windsor Castle as well. So she will be getting the best of treatment. But there is another situation whereby if uh, the monarch is incapacitated, that might be by being uh, abroad. but. might be by having an operation or being unwell, then other senior members of the royal family have to step in and fulfil some of those legislative duties. Now the problem with that is that is normally the four next in line to the throne, Charles, Mm. William, (coughs) Andrew and Harry. Well Harry's abroad, no right. longer a working royal, Andrew's persona non grata, so there is a problem there. You've
1: talked about the fact that the palace tends to be discreet about the Queen's health. Why do you think they share the news of this positive test? And I should also ask you how Prince Charles and Camilla are doing. Have we heard any word?
2: Prince Charles and Camilla, I think, are through the other end. I think Kelly mentioned that Charles is is out and about again. Um, In fact, they're taking a few days break this holiday. It's a traditional half-term holiday in the UK at the moment. Um, Certainly when it comes uh, to the Queen's own health, the palace has a difficult line to tread, and Mm -hmm. I think it tripped over that line at the end of last year when it kept saying, everything fine, nothing to see, the Queen has just been advised to take it easy. One of our newspapers then revealed that actually the Queen had spent a night in hospital. Now, of course, when those sorts of stories happen, some of the trust is Mm -hmm. lost. And I think the palace was keen to be back on the front foot this time, to be seen to be giving as much information as they could without disclosing too many really personal details. So last week, they did say that the Queen was not showing symptoms. They didn't confirm or deny that she had tested positive. But yesterday morning when she tested positive, THEY DID SAY SHE TESTED POSITIVE YESTERDAY. IN OTHER WORDS, THEY WERE TRYING TO REASSURE SHE HASN'T right. HAD IT FOR A FEW DAYS. SHE HAS ONLY JUST TESTED POSITIVE. BUT I THINK FROM NOW ON, THEY'LL JUST KEEP keep A BIT OF A DISCRETION mm-hmm. GOING ON ABOUT HER HEALTH UNTIL HOPEFULLY they're, THEY'RE ABLE TO SAY SHE'S BACK, SHE'S NEGATIVE. RIGHT. Yeah, IT that MAKES SENSE.
1: News. Yeah. ALL RIGHT. DAISY, AS ALWAYS, THANK YOU FOR YOUR TIME TODAY. THANK YOU. All right, up next,
5: back here at home, the fallout from an ugly scene at the end of a college basketball game sparked by Michigan coach Jawan Howard taking a swipe at an opposing coach. You saw it right there. Mm. This morning, the punishments awaiting both teams and the growing calls for Howard to be fired right after this. Pandora
3: makes it easy for you to find your favorite music. Discover new artists and genres by selecting any song or album, and we'll make you a personalized station for free. Download on the Apple App Store or Google Play and enjoy the soundtrack to your life.
12: Buying a Master Mechanics tool set usually means high prices, higher interest rates, and who knows how many years of monthly payments. But at GearWrench, we don't believe that your tools should take years and years to pay for. So check out MegaMod Mod Master Sets, the Master Mechanics tool sets that deliver pro-quality tools organized storage solutions, an easy-to-use lifetime warranty, and much, much more. All for thousands less than you'd expect. So don't wait. Explore the sets and check availability now. Only at GearWrench.com.
1: We are back at 743 with the heated brawl that broke out at the end of yesterday's college basketball game between Michigan and Wisconsin. And it
11: actually started during the post-game handshake line between the school's coaches.
5: Yeah, things got pretty ugly there. NBC's Morgan Chesky has all the details. Morgan, good morning.
3: Hey guys, good morning. Really was just a wild scene last night. And anytime you get two Big Ten rivals like Michigan and Wisconsin together, you do expect some sort of fireworks, but certainly nothing quite like this. And this morning we're finding out this may have all began when one team called a timeout. Chaos on the court when a post game handshake erupted into a college basketball brawl. A scuffle between the Wisconsin and Michigan coaches. Clearing the benches for a big fight just moments after the final buzzer. From this angle, you can see the two coaches exchanging heated words. The confrontation ignited after Wisconsin's Greg Gard appears to grab Michigan's Juwan Howard, who was slow to shake his hand. Just moments later, Howard appears to hit Wisconsin assistant coach Joe Krabenhoft in the head. One of Michigan's legendary Fab Five, Howard played for the Wolverines in the early 90s before winning two championship titles with the Miami Heat over 19 seasons in the NBA. After Sunday's scuffle, Howard says he was unhappy about Wisconsin's decision to call a timeout with a 15-point lead and just 15 seconds left in the game.
7: Because of that timeout and uh, f- for someone to touch me, and I think that was un- very uncalled for for him to touch me as we were verbalizing and communicating with one another. So um, that's what ended up happening. And that's what escalated it.
3: Guard agreed, saying the timeout was likely to blame. He did not like that when he came through the the handshake line. So um, I'll leave it at that, and the tape will show the rest. Online, a debate's now growing over whether Howard should be sidelined for the rest of the season. Sports broadcaster Dick Vitale tweeting, inexcusable behavior by Juwan Howard must lead to severe punishment. Wisconsin's athletic director now calling for the Big Ten to take action.
0: I expect the league
3: is going to act swiftly and aggressively. Michigan's AD says the school is reviewing the incident, adding in a statement, there is no excuse for any of our staff or student athletes to get into a physical altercation with others regardless of instigating factors. And the Big Ten says they are also investigating, promising swift and appropriate disciplinary action upon further review. As of this morning, there's still no comment from the NCAA. We'll send it back to you guys.
1: All right. Morgan, thank you for that. Nothing but hugs here. on Yeah, yeah. No Al's going to fight the weather right That's now. That's Oh, um, yeah. you're absolutely
4: <laughs> Muddle fight. Anyway, let's show you what we've got. Right now, we're talking about possibility of some wildfires stretching from Texas all the way up into Colorado and parts of Oklahoma as well. Relative humidity low, plus very gusty winds and very warm temperatures. Look at this. Dodge City, 19 degrees above average at 71. Wichita Falls, 80. Cincinnati, 66. But behind this front, temperatures plummet. Minneapolis today, 22. That's 9 degrees below average. The warmth moves to the east tomorrow. uh, Philly, you're at 62. Raleigh, 73. Tuscaloosa, 77. But look at Oklahoma City, 43 degrees. That's 14 degrees below average. Rapid City at minus 1. And that cold air makes its way to the east. Chicago, you're going to be in the 20s all week this week. Nashville drops down to 46 by Friday. And here in the east, New York City down to 37 by Friday after a high Wednesday of 66 degrees. That's your latest weather. We may have to break out the temperature roller coaster. Yes, we look forward to that. All the highlights. <laughs> All right, thank Book you, Book three Al. tickets. All right,
5: just ahead, with the 5G wireless rollout expanding, one major carrier set to end 3G service this week. An inside look at the alarming health and safety issues that it could create if you're among the millions still relying on older phones and devices. But first, these messages. It's an old song.
1: There is a lot more ahead on this Monday morning. That is
11: right, including pop Start. Wait until you see a first look at Daniel Radcliffe Channery. What? handling his inner weird Al for the hey. next big role. Eating.
12: <laughs> Buying a master mechanic's tool set usually means high prices, higher interest rates, and who knows how many years of monthly payments. But at GearWrench, we don't believe that your tools should take years and years to pay for. So check out Mega Mod Master Sets, the master mechanic's tool sets that deliver pro-quality tools, organized storage solutions an easy-to-use lifetime warranty, and much, much more. All for thousands less than you'd expect. So don't wait. Explore the sets and check availability now. Only at GearWrench.com.